0: Hey everyone, we have received exceptional support for the Diaries Plus. It means so much to us. It's been a tough year for us, we're down on sponsors, but you keep lifting us up and making this show possible. And Because of that, we get to keep making more cool shows for you. So today we're releasing a new series on Diaries Plus called Good Good Bad. Trips, adventures, and fiascos that define our lives. On New Year's Eve 2023, Mason Gravely slid a stand-up paddleboard into the tannin-stained waters of Lake Okeechobee and embarked on an adventure he's been dreaming of for years, an unsupported crossing of one of our country's biggest lakes. Between the weather, toxic algae, and alligators, he was told it was preposterous. But Mason's journey was a culmination of years of Florida adventures and a passion for conservation. Here's a little taste of the first Good Good Bad episode, Alligator Lake wherever
1: you are is an adventurous place to people that aren't from there and so it's like i'll be honest right now at this point in my life i would never leave within an hour or two of my home if i could and i'd probably that's probably going to change at some point but right now that's like my reality and i did not see that coming like i i would have laughed at you if you you said that's the way you're going to think in 5 years and so it, it all of us have to go through it like oh adventure is elsewhere or life and fulfillment and What we're looking for is elsewhere. And I think part of maturing and just part of just living this life is one, going through that, and two, (laughs) realizing everything you need is right here. You know,
0: how many times have people told us that? But it, it takes learning it yourself, you know? Subscribe to Plus Now for the full story and access to all new episodes. As always, thank you for your support. Now, on to the show. Today, we are doing something we've never done before. Not in the 13 years we've been creating this show. We are going to run a rerun. What? I know, so crazy. Not really, but bear with me. It feels crazy to me. I mean, that's kind of wild, right? 13 years, no reruns. A lot of work. So anyway, why now? First, we realize that there are a lot more of you than there used to be a few years ago. Like tens of thousands more of you. The show has grown quite a bit. And as a lot of you know, listeners help power the show through donations. Thank you for that. We've used that money to make our show better, to build a studio in our office, and to chase bigger, more difficult stories like our Endangered Spaces series. A lot of you have noted on the increased production value. That is thanks to you. We appreciate it. Anyway... When you donate, there's this little field where you can tell us your favorite episode. And while it's really across the board, the people's answers to that question, there are a few episodes that come up more often than others. And we thought maybe it's worth sharing some of those favorites for those of you who are newer to the show. And for us, it was kind of fun to dive back in. If you've got an old favorite you think we should reshare, please consider donating and letting us know your favorite. You can find the link on our website, darebagdaries.com. Second, I think this is also a chance to say thank you. I know that at the end of every single episode, I say thanks for listening. And I want you to know that it's not just some simple platitude or sign-off. I mean it. Really mean it. In this day and age of never-ending scrolling, the content torn, the creations that are meant to be disposable hits of mediocre dopamine, I am so grateful that you have gathered around the diaries and these stories. I started the diaries in my 20s. Now I'm in my 40s. A lot has changed and a lot hasn't. And yet through it all, we've had a job to do. Every two weeks we come together and we create the best thing we can. It simultaneously humbles us and makes us super proud. I can't speak for the entire team, but for me, it gives me purpose. It fills my work days with meaning. Our goal has never just been more, it's been to be better. And we think we are hopeful that in this coming next couple years, we're going to bring you some really cool projects. So please stay tuned, keep spreading the word about the show, keep donating, keep sharing your stories with us. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I mean it. Now, let's dive in, all the way back to 2014, and a story about a best friend. So who are you? What's your name? (laughs) Are you, in the, are you in the recording booth while Dad does this Dirtbag dairy story? No. It sure would seem like you are. Okay, okay, Dad's about to tell a story. Can you be quiet? Okay, shh. Okay, so Tep's joining me today, because that's how it works sometimes. But I've got a story for you guys today, and one I'm really excited about. I started thinking about my good friend, Clay. He's about to get married. I'm really stoked for him. When I was 23, Clay let me live in his 1983 Westphalia as we meandered our way through the west, climbing as much as daylight would allow. A few years before that, Clay introduced me to the long, committing routes in the mountains, and I was hooked. I can't remember whose idea this road trip was, but I'd bet that it was Clay who formulated the plan. And it was Clay who introduced me to so many people that became lifelong friends. He was gregarious, I was shy, it was worked out. He even taught me how to cook something other than a quesadilla. Even as Clay hunkered down and followed his passion into medicine, he always kept encouraging me to do what I was doing out on the road. We'd catch up on one of his breaks from his residency and climb and hang out. Clay was friendly. He had a car that could... You use... Hang on. Dude, don't push buttons. Hey. Hey, you gotta be quiet. Clay was a great traveling companion. He was friendly, he had a car you could live comfortably in even if it broke down in interesting places, which in itself made it more interesting to travel with him. He did have his quirks, he didn't like wearing underwear, he owned one pair of Carhartts, but overall Clay was an incredible friend suited perfectly for those formative adventure years. He was the swift kick in the ass that helped introduce me to the world of mountains and dirt roads with free camping. At some point, we all need that in our lives, you know. It's like you're
1: scared to move forward. You just need something to give you a little nudge. This is Jonah Manning. You may remember him from the B Mine episode. I mean, you can call it support, but really, it's just like a little bit of a shove forward. And um, I'll never forget it because
0: Widge was certainly that for me today. We bring you the story of the ultimate adventure partner. Because when that metaphorical door opens, it's a lot easier to walk through it when you have a little shove or someone to walk through by your side. I'm Fitz Hall, and you're listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. <laughs>
1: So I was living in South Carolina. I was in high school when I met Widge. His dad was a, was a big hunter, hence the nickname Widge, named after a type of duck called a Widgeon. But if you knew Widge, then nothing really ever flustered this guy. And so um, the fact he had a name like named after a duck was just not something that was remotely on his radar as being an interesting topic.
0: Jonah and Widge grew up in South Carolina. You know the top 50 country songs? The ones about hunting, fishing, trucks, love, and drinking, well, that's pretty much the scene that they grew up in.
1: And so the status quo was hunting, staying out late, um, partying a lot, and sort of living as teenagers do with very little sleep, but also sort of recognizing that, or at least T and I did, that this wasn't um, something that was going to sustain itself very well. That eventually, like, that either we're going to get hurt,
0: get in trouble, or or not go to the places we really wanted to ultimately and succeed. Determined to get off the country song path he saw unfurling in front of him, Jonah enrolled in Sewanee, the University of the South, in Tennessee, which didn't have any interest in college, so he hung back in South Carolina for the year. It was sort
1: of like jumping right back into the social scene that I had been working pretty hard to get out of. I knew a bunch of like fraternity people, and everyone was into doing exactly what we were doing, which is, you know... Uh, expanding social circles and partying and, I guess, the Southern plan. and um,
0: Witch was the only one who was just not into it. So when Jonah got the idea to take a year off from school and travel west, he invited Witch, and Witch jumped at the chance. Yeah, his goal was to pee on, in all 50 states.
1: He was completely not tied down to anything. He was unrestrained and no matter what other people are doing it's like oh if you want to try it we'll try it just i'll do anything i will say yes you propose it and i will say yes i fail forward you know we packed up a truck and we followed a couple friends and we drove out to jackson hole for the summer And that drive was sort of this iconic realization of just how much more was out there than just South Carolina and the East Coast, sleeping on the stars, just finding little Forest Service roads to park and and camp on, and realized that we were having more fun just on a drive, you know, out west than we were having, you know, doing anything that we were doing in the South. And it sort of lit
0: this sort of spark in us. Jonah and Widge spent the summer in Jackson Hole. Jonah worked until noon every day, which left them plenty of daylight for mountain biking around the Tetons. As summer shifted into fall, they considered ski-bumming in Jackson for the winter, but decided against it. That, that didn't sound, um,
1: in a way, challenging enough. Like, that was just, it sounded like fun. Someone told us about the Appalachian Trail. And the Appalachian Trail was more or less analogous to um, what we thought we wanted to get out of life. You know, simple living, lots of hiking. Every bit of suffering it's like well is that something that's you know f- worth living your life with or is that something you're supposed to dream about so we started in Georgia in February and and uh, it was one of those quintessential experiences where you sort of find the things that are important which is hilarious because he because he had this way of sprawling like he would sprawl when he slept, and he didn't necessarily mean anything by it but it was so funny because you would end up like waking up in a like crumpled mass in the corner of, of the shelter, and Widge would be like laying across your Thermarest, and you're like, how did what how'd the? And uh, people always saw it as like a personal challenge if you could wake up next to Widge in a shelter and you're actually on your own Thermarest, like you'd accomplish some like great task.
0: Jonah and Widge finished the AT and then moved back to Suwanee. That fall semester, Jonah met Jamie and Rob. The four of them lived together that spring. And then the next fall, Jonah transferred to the University of Montana, and the other three followed him there. Although Widge never got any more excited about the idea of actually going to school. Just so long as he could go outside and run, then he was, you know, the
1: happiest guy around. He'd go squirrel hunting. I mean, he was funny because he didn't, you know, it didn't take much to please him. He would, I mean, he he would sleep. He would almost
0: bum around, but he always did so so cheerfully. Inspired by Jonah and Widge's adventure, Jamie and Rob decided they wanted to hike the E.T. as well. And Widge went along to hike the trail again. Jonah joined them for the first few days of hiking through Georgia before returning to Montana.
1: When I left him on the trail, he never looked back. He never looked back. You know, he's just going forward. He's going hiking. And if Jamie and Rob want to join him for that hike instead of me, it doesn't matter. Like, it's not that he did or didn't love me, but he loved doing the things that we did together. It's so funny. I mean, in a lot of ways, I think that Widge is more important to Jamie than he was to
0: me.
2: Jonah was so generous to, to let me have him in my life.
0: <laughs> this is Jamie Blythe.
2: I've got four other dogs here, but none of them are Widge. <laughs> he was just special. <laughs> and they're all special too, but he was, he was, uh, I don't know, he wasn't much so much of a dog. He was more like a person that looked like a dog. <laughs> he
0: was. Yeah, so Widge is a chocolate lab.
2: He was an important part of life. He's like a little brown guardian angel, <laughs> a little furry brown one.
0: <laughs> Jamie, Rob, and Widge finished the AT. They spent some time on Jamie's family farm in Alabama. Then Rob got a job as a Knowles instructor. Jamie moved to Yosemite to work search and rescue. Neither Jamie or Rob could take Widge with them, so the three of them parted ways.
2: And at that time, Jonah was still in montana and he was more stable than i was so Widge went back up up to jonah so we we kind of passed him back you know back and forth for a few years depending on whose life was more conducive to having a dog and i think in the end looking back on it it seems like Widge was always where where he needed to be with the person who needed him the most
0: a year went by jonah finished school and started dreaming about sailing but a small boat in a vast ocean offered limited running opportunities.
1: He would have hated sailing. He had no interest in being on a boat.
0: I mean, all in all, his passion was running.
1: And, um, if you couldn't, you know, walk out the door and start running, then it wasn't really for him.
2: And then, uh, I left the park service and moved up to Alaska and was in nursing school in Alaska at the time. And it kind of seemed like the tables turned and I was at a point in my life where and my life was more stable, but I kind of needed a wedge around. I fell in love and kind of left everything behind for for that. And climbing had been part of my life for so many years, and I was leaving it behind trying to find a more stable life. and having a wedge there made made that choice and that journey so much easier. than you know the the night for. Us. I really questioned if I'd made the right choice. He'd always know if I was having a hard night, and he'd come and crawl into bed with me and stick his head in my lap, and he was just always right when he needed him. He got to be a pretty famous ski dog up in Alaska, too. You know, we get up, up to the run, we're about to ski down, and his thing was that he'd flip over and go down Head first on his back <laughs> for a while. <laughs> he would slide down, you know, until until the powder got so deep, and then, you know, he'd snorkel his way down. <laughs>
0: Amy found some of the stability she was looking for in Alaska. She finished school, got married, had Widge with her full time. Then her husband reached the point in medical school where he needed to start traveling for his rotations.
2: And at that point in time, you Widge know, was getting, he was too old and he couldn't go, he couldn't go to Africa with us and he couldn't move every five weeks. And Widge got back to the farm before I did. <laughs> and the, the pace was just right. Here's Jonah again.
1: He's going to have a better time living on a farm when he's 13 years old than he would be if I were going on 20-mile runs and he couldn't go on those runs anymore. He wasn't capable, so he'd have to stay at home. But he could ride around that truck like a big cow's and be super excited and go out for that walk and go out bass fishing. Like, that's a great place for an old dog.
2: No, I guess my favorite moment, maybe was just sitting with him outside the little place where I'd have lunch. Sitting out in the sun and him sitting there beside me, you know, like I, that, and, and just riding back and forth with him. He's a great travel dog. He loves ride.
0: This is Jimmy Blythe.
2: He, uh, one day he went out and started walking down, towards, uh, down our driveway and just got about halfway and died. So I buried him here on, on our property up the mountain and put a big old rock on top of it so Vomish couldn't get it. And I miss him. <laughs> I'm having a hard time talking about him now because i getting <laughs> really do miss him. I've kind of <laughs> forgotten about him a little bit, but anyway, yeah, he, uh, he's a sweet dog. I think I spent so many years trying to find the place in the world that felt like home. You know, just like growing up on a farm, you're so attached to a place and you know every tree and ditch and blade of grass and it's a really intimate knowledge. And so I kept traveling and trying to find that same, same feeling and tried all these different places and they're all beautiful and love getting to know them, but nothing ever felt like home. I would have ended up coming home this long no matter what eventually, but the journey to, to get back here was pretty circuitous, and I'm so grateful that it was, and I probably wouldn't have taken such an extended journey to come back home if we hadn't been there and having them as a companion made made going out and seeing places and being by myself so much easier because you know, I wasn't really by myself. I always had a buddy. <laughs> I always had somebody to ride in the truck with me. And-
1: he emitted this very raw and powerful, soothing force upon people. It was just his presence that most people needed, and uh, Jamie and I were both the two people closest to him that got to experience it the most, and really, I mean, and gained the most by it. You know, we're definitely where we are today because of because of his influence.
2: Well, I've got a picture of of Widge actually on my desk, and it's my favorite picture. My my ex-husband took it of him. It was on our favorite trail in Alaska, so I uh, called Crow Pass, and it's about you know about 26 or 27 miles, and we ran it with Widge. And about halfway through the, the trail, you know, you get up above treeline, and I have this picture of Widge just running wide open right in front of me the whole time, and, and uh, that was always my. My vision to Tim, he's always just running wide open (laughs) and, and just so exuberant and happy with
0: life. Support for The Diaries comes from you. Thank you so much to all of you who have donated through the years. It's incredible. We appreciate it helps power the show thank you thank you to jonah jamie and jimmy for sharing your stories and thanks to all the adventure pups out there who continue to give us the nudge out the door music today from max gross canyon kids and publish the quest tracks are courtesy a free music archive or the artists themselves Jacob bane aka jika and Nice koto composed our theme song you can find links to the artists at our website darebagdares.com i hope whoever wrote that jika thing i just made you smile Anyway, this episode was produced by Jen Altsall, Becca Kahl, Cordelia Zares, and me, Fitzka Hall. You've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in. But
1: I've got to see paradise at least one time Before I'm ever gonna go and close my eyes that tight There ain't no airbrains taking off in-